Hello everyone, this is Urvashi Chauhan. Welcome back to Courts Today by Live Law, where we bring you the latest developments from all courts across India. Let us start. You know that a constitution bench comprising CGI Chandrachud, Justice Sanjay Kishan Kaul, Justice Sanjeev Khanna, Justice B.R. Gawai and Justice Surya Kant is hearing a batch of petitions challenging abrogation of Article 370 of the Constitution, which revoked the special status granted to the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Senior advocate Zafar Shah, appearing on behalf of JNK Bar Association, continued with his arguments today and submitted that modifications that existed in the application of laws to Jammu and Kashmir show that the state had always enjoyed constitutional autonomy and that the governor of Jammu and Kashmir had committed serious constitutional misconduct by recommending the abrogation of Article 370 to the president. Further, the bench today expressed its reservation towards senior advocate Zafar Shah's comments, hinting that Jammu and Kashmir had not integrated entirely with India and there remained some sovereign part with the state. The CGI observed that there was no conditional surrender of sovereignty of JNK with India. Surrender of sovereignty was absolutely complete. Once sovereignty was absolutely fully vested in India, the only restraints would be on par of parliament to enact laws. He further explained that if we take example of any other Indian state apart from Jammu and Kashmir, there are restraints on power of parliament to make laws for subjects on state lists. But the distribution of legislative powers does not affect the sovereignty which vests in India. Today was day 5 of the hearing. Tomorrow, senior advocate Rajiv Dhawan, who is representing People's Conference, will be arguing. Stay tuned as we will keep you updated. You can also follow the live updates on the case on our website at livelaw.in. Continuing with its e-initiatives, the Supreme Court has now launched an online portal named Suswagatam through which advocates, litigants and visitors can apply for passes to enter the court. Those of you who visit the Supreme Court regularly know how persons wanting to enter the Supreme Court premises, including advocates, have to obtain entry passes from the counter. Long queues for getting the passes are a regular sight every morning. With the launch of the e-portal, one can now apply for the passes online the prior evening using their mobile number. CGI D.Y. Chandrachud announced the launch of the portal today morning before the commencement of the constitution bench hearing. The portal was tested as a pilot project from 25th July and more than 10,000 e-passes were issued till 8th August. With this paperless entry pass, users can scan the QR code on their e-passes delivered through email and the portal at the entry and exit gates of the court premises therefore simplifying the whole access control entry exit process. In another important update, the Supreme Court has reiterated that under Section 141 of Negotiable Instruments Act, a person will become vicariously liable when a company is accused of the offence under Section 138 of the Act only if such a person was in charge of and was responsible to the company for the conduct of the business of the company at the time when the offence was committed. 
Section 138 basically deals with the cases of check bounds. In the matter at hand, the top court was considering appeals by directors of a company who were accused in a complaint filed under Section 138. The contention of the complainant was that the appellants were liable for transactions of the company and were fully aware of the issuance of the cheques and dishonour of the cheques. But a division bench of Justice Abhay S. Oak and Justice Sanjay Karol allowed the appeals and held that just because the appellants were involved in the day-to-day -day affairs of the company, Section 141 would not be attracted. In this context, the court emphasized on the distinction between being in charge of the company and being responsible for the conduct of business of the company. In another update, after over a year of legal battle, the Supreme Court has quashed an FIR against Iqbal Hassan Ali Sayyid, a designated senior advocate at the Gujarat High Court and the former Assistant Solicitor General. Sayyid, along with five others, was slapped with charges of causing hurt, criminal intimidation, extortion, wrongful confinement, etc. on a complaint by an Ahmedabad-based businessman Viran Shah. Viran had alleged that he was summoned to former Chief Minister Shankar Singh Vagela's Gandhinagar residence by his personal assistant to sign an agreement relating to a business dispute where not only was he threatened but also held against his will and assaulted before he managed to flee in his car. In May last year, the FIR was filed against the six accused which included senior advocate Sayyid. Further, Sayyid's plea for quashing the FIR was denied by the High Court, but anticipatory bail was granted to him by another single judge bench of the High Court. But now the Supreme Court Division Bench of Justices A.S. Bopanna and Prashant Kumar Mishra has allowed Sayyid's appeal against the decision of the Gujarat High Court. This verdict was delivered by the Division Bench after noting that the complainant in an affidavit admitted to having named Sayyid and alleged his complicity due to a misconception and having realized this indicated his disinclination to prosecute the complaint against him. And now coming to you with an update from the parliament. The central government has moved a bill to prescribe the manner of selecting the chief election commissioner that is CEC and other election commissioners. So our constitution does not lay down a specific legislative process for the appointment of CEC or the ECs. The president makes the appointment on the advice of the Union Council of Ministers headed by the Prime Minister. Last year, a constitution bench of the Supreme Court had ruled that the election commissioners shall be selected by a committee comprising the Prime Minister, the leader of the opposition and the Chief Justice of India till the parliament frames a law prescribing the selection process. While passing the direction, the bench had noted that there is no parliamentary law in place in terms of Article 324 Clause 2 of the Constitution laying down the selection procedure for election commissioners. As per this new bill, the chief election commissioner and other election commissioners shall be appointed by the president on the recommendation of a selection committee consisting number one, the prime minister as the chairperson, 
second the leader of opposition in the house of the people who will be a member and third a union cabinet minister to be nominated by the prime minister who will also be a member of the committee stay tuned to know more about this bill the manipur high court has issued notice to the officials of union government state government state police army and the assam rifles on a contempt petition filed by international metais forum the forum has alleged that the authorities violated the order passed by the high court on 3rd august as per which they were bound to maintain status quo at the site where mass burial of kukizo community members who lost their lives in the ethnic clash was proposed the petitioner alleged that despite the court order the tensions escalated as locals particularly women took to the streets to protest and sought access to the intended burial site also the petitioner alleged that despite the claims by indigenous tribal leaders forum about the postponement of the mass burial a significant mob had vandalized metai houses in torbang banga on 5th august this mob allegedly employed bulldozers to destroy the area the petitioner also claimed that they had obtained drone footage of the location revealing the destruction of the structures and contended that the manipur police manipur government union government army and the planners of the intended burial had displayed contempt by deliberately disregarding the court's directives in light of these contentions the petitioner sought the initiation of a contempt proceeding against the respondents under contempt of courts act the court has now issued notice and will consider the matter next on 30th august stay tuned and now a new update regarding the asi survey at the gyanwapi mosque premises The Anjuman Intizamiya Masjid Committee which manages the Gyan Wapi Mosque in Varanasi has filed a fresh application before the court of district judge to immediately stop the ongoing ASI survey of the mosque premises. The application states that the Varanasi court's order for the ASI survey was given in the suit filed by four plaintiffs to worship Shringar Gauri at the disputed site however the plaintiffs failed to deposit the money to bear the expenses incurred during the ASI survey as per rule 70 of the general civil rule and therefore a direction be issued to stop the survey the hindu plaintiffs have been given time till august 17th to file their reply or objection to this application You already know that ASI is presently conducting a scientific survey of the Gyanwapi complex as per the order of Varanasi district judge to determine if the mosque was constructed over a pre-existing structure of a Hindu temple or not. In an important news the Delhi High Court has taken suomoto cognizance of an alleged sexual assault on a 3-year-old minor girl by a cleaner working in her school in city's South Delhi area. A division bench of Chief Justice Satish Chandra Sharma and Justice Saurabh Banerjee registered a suomoto PIL on the basis of an article published in the Times of India on 4th August titled as 3-year-old sexually assaulted by school cleaner in South Delhi. The court issued notice to the state and sought a status report within 2 weeks in respect of action taken by the Delhi police as well as by the education department. 
It also directed the Delhi government's council to take care that the media acts in compliance with the statutory provisions as contained in section 23 of the POCSO Act. This provision relates to ensuring that identity of the victim is must. The matter will now be heard on September 1st. Stay tuned with Live Law. Have you ever heard about Te Chamundi Teyam or Teyam Ritual Dance? It is a popular dance form prominent in the northern part of Kerala and performances often take place in the courtyards of temples or in open spaces where the performer, usually a male member of a particular community, transforms into the deity being represented through intricate costumes, makeup and ornaments. The performer is believed to embody the spirit of the deity during the performance. Recently, a plea was filed by NGO Disha seeking a ban on the participation of children in this ritualistic dance performance. The NGO had alleged that the dance performance which is held by Chirakkal Temple Trust in connection with their annual function involves children being thrown into embers or fire a minimum of 101 times which adversely affects their well-being. Apart from affecting their right to life, it was alleged that the children selected to perform the dance often belong to marginalized scheduled caste and scheduled tribe communities, thus rendering the performance a relic of the feudal past. Today, the Kerala High Court Division Bench comprising Chief Justice A.J. Desai and Justice V.G. Arun directed the Secretary, Department of Women and Child Development to file an affidavit detailing the concrete steps that would be taken to ensure that children are not compelled to perform the ritualistic dance performance. The matter has now been posted for further consideration in September. Thank you for joining us. If you wish to know more details about the cases I mentioned here, you can visit our website at www.livelaw.in. Stay ahead with quick legal updates only on Live Law. Do not forget to like, share and subscribe and support us. You can also support us by donating through the thanks button at the bottom of our videos or consider becoming a member at just 89 rupees per month.